11. Proverbs chapter 8, 1 through 11. Remain seated. I'm going to read it. We've already read it, so I'm just going to start there at the top. And we're going to see what it's going to show us. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? I want you to think about this for just a minute. Our God is omnipresent, right? One thing that separates him from all of the gods is he's omnipresent. No, nothing else can do that. I've tried to be in two places at one time, can't do it. Just can't. The omnipresence of God, being that God is omnipresent everywhere at the same time, it would make sense that his wisdom, which is an attribute of his, would be likewise. Right? Would be everywhere with him. His wisdom would be everywhere he goes. And in fact, if we look at God's word, we see this in the scriptures. If we've ever tested this, we find it to be true, right or wrong. Right. We find it to be true. If we test this, if we look out and we try to find wisdom, the scripture teaches us that we will find it. We will find it. It's everywhere. In our men's Bible study on Friday mornings at between 9 and 10, 10 to 11, we've been looking at King Solomon, and King Solomon has always fascinated me. Always. We've been talking to the men, been, been talking amongst ourselves about the wisdom of Solomon. One of my favorite characters in the scriptures because at a young age he asked for wisdom. He asked for wisdom instead of riches and long life and all of these different things. He wanted wisdom. And that's always stood out to me. Always. And so we would do well to listen today and receive instruction. Listen to what Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 1 says. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? Here we have wisdom speaking and wisdom is calling out, crying aloud. Understand something about wisdom. She is not in a secret place. Do we get that? She's not in the secret place. The scriptures teach us that she is speaking, she is calling out, she is crying aloud. She's not hid in secret somewhere. She's not tagged with a price, is she? No, she's not. She's not tagged with a price. You don't have to go and buy her. She is readily available. She is a gift that, that can be received by those who simply listen and by those who simply apply their heart to understanding. But that takes effort, doesn't it? These are conditional things. That takes effort. Our society today doesn't like to take effort to do much of anything. Just don't. Everything is done for us. And so we have to make an effort to receive wisdom. 
It's not just some epiphany that comes to our head. No, in fact, we have to go after that. You must search for her, and if you search for her diligently, you will find her. This is what the scripture says. You'll find her. With a heart that craves her, one look outside of yourself, and you will find her. If you apply your heart to understanding. Imagine for a moment, now I know that we have the Holy Spirit that dwells within, but imagine for a moment being able to take a piece of the Lord, a part of the Lord, and have Him always with us at any time, any hour, any place, and in any situation, at any age, we can have wisdom if we ask. Solomon found it as a young man. The oldest person in here can still find it. All the way down to the youngest. If we ask. If we watch. If we listen. If we consider. We can have it. Verse 2 says that she stands resolute. Listen to what it says. On the heights beside the way at the crossroads, she takes her stand. She is to be found everywhere on the highway, on the byway, in the high places. She is to be found. We can learn from her as she stands resolute. Verse 3 it says, beside the gates in front of the town at the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud. She cries. She begs to be received. Like I said earlier, she's not a secret. She is out for anybody to have her. Wisdom. Who would have her? She's the noisy one crying in the corner for anybody to pick her up and to take her with, her, with them. And the scripture teaches us this, that she cries aloud. If you have ears to hear with... Pick it up and take it. Verse 4 says this, To you, O men, I call and my cries to the children of man. She calls. She calls out to all who will listen. Verse 5 and 6, O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. For the simpleton, they can learn. They can receive and they can, they can grow. So often, so many would rather be simple than wise. Verse 6. Here, for I will speak noble things. Noble things. And from my lips will come what is right. Noble things. Right things are here spoken. Things of grace and things of mercy. Truth. Righteous things. True words. Verse 7 it says, For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. In the wisdom of God, you will not find wickedness. You won't. Verse 9, the, the Lord doesn't trick us. They are all straight to him who understands. They're straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. 
God's not a tricking God. God's wisdom doesn't trick. It is straight. It is enlightening. It is forward. And he gives it to us. Verse 10 tells us the worth of it. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. More to be desired and more precious than riches. Nothing compares to this attribute of Jehovah God. Nothing compares to the wisdom of our Lord. Verse 11, this is what it says, For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Cannot compare with her. Nothing compares to the wisdom of the Lord. In His infinite wisdom, He created the heavens and the earth. And as science progresses, we progress, we begin to learn more about God's creation. And we begin to see the intricate detail of what it took for Him to create the heavens and the earth. Well, if you pick up an acorn off the ground, you can look at that acorn and you can see where it fell from and it fell from the tree. And from that tree you can see and you can gain wisdom and understanding that inside of that acorn is everything that that tree will be in the future. You can see what type it is. You can see the strength that it will be from where it fell from. And that one little acre contains all the makeup that that tree is. There's so much wisdom just laying around if we will just apply our heart to it. We can find it everywhere. I've spoke about this before. We can find it in the marriage festival. In the marriage festival. It's a good thing for a person to be married. This is a celebration. This is a festival. And the Lord blesses that. We see that in Scripture. But also, and I've talked about this, we see it in the house of mourning. At the funeral, we can find wisdom there more so than at the festival because it's more grounding, it's more sobering, and, it's, and it sets us up for all eternity. Proverbs chapter 30 tells us we can find it in the leeches. The leeches. Something as simple as a leech in the water. Two sisters, leeches, and, they, and this is what they say, give, give. And they always do. And there's wisdom to be found in that. There's wisdom to be found in that. In Sheol, or in the grave, in the womb, is what Proverbs 30 says. In the womb, on the earth with water, there's wisdom to be found. Why is there wisdom to be found on the earth with water? Because the land is never satisfied. The womb is never satisfied. Sheol is never satisfied. Leeches are never satisfied. Give, give. There's wisdom to be found in these places. The ship on the high seas. We can see wisdom in that. A slave who becomes king. Even down to the littlest bitty things, the ants. Scripture talks about all of these in Proverbs 30. A hodgepodge, a, a smorgasbord of all of these different things. That we can glean wisdom from. The ants, the rock badgers, the locust, the lizard, the lion, the strutting rooster, the he-goat, squeezed milk, and a pressed nose. 
We can find wisdom in all of these things. And pressing anger. These are all true. And they teach a multitude, a multitude of lessons. If we look outside and we look up, we see the Almighty God holding the reins back. Sometimes He lets them go, right? He did last night, He did this morning. How does the cloud hold back rain? Well, people have figured out the science of it, but it really goes against the law of gravity, right? Water in the sky? I mean, it takes a Heavenly Father to do that. Amen? He's omnipotent. He holds the rain back and He gives it to some and not others. And then to others and not others. This group over here. Because He's a good God and He knows what He's doing. He's all-powerful. If we look down, we see the brown grass. When we moved to Louisiana 12 or 13 years ago, I can't remember now, uh, my wife called this the brown grass state. Because we were from the bluegrass state, Kentucky. And she called this the brown grass state. It was during February, March, and April, and she nicknamed it well. Because if you walk outside right now, this time of the year, you will see brown grass. Brown. Everything's brown. Brown grass. The leafless tree is what you'll see right now. And so this even teaches us things. Understanding that there is a season, there's a time that is dormant for these plants, for this brown grass, for these leafless trees. There's a time where it's dormant. And you would think that it would be dead, but it's not. The, the life is just in the root. And it will come back out and it will produce fruit. But it's going to take some time. And there's wisdom to be had and wisdom to be gleaned from that. The different seasons of life where we bear different things. If we look at the rose bushes coming through the back door, we will see that those rose bushes have recently been cut back. The gardener came in and cut them back. You say, well, why in the world would that take place at the worst time of the year? Wouldn't that be hard on them? Yeah. Yeah, it would. The winter comes, the gardener comes in and cuts it back. Why? So it will produce more flowers. So it will produce more fragrance. So the trash that in it, that will be, it will be cut out. I told the men on Friday... That's my, that my basement door was extremely jacked up. And they all kind of looked at me funny. And it's true, our basement door is hard to close. Very hard to close. Why? It's not the door's fault. A door's a door. It's hard to close because it's from a bad foundation. The parsonage. From a bad foundation. A foundation of concrete inside of a levee ring below the surface of the dirt outside is bound for breaking, bound for destruction. Now, I didn't come up with that idea. That's how the house was built. Inside of a levee ring, below the dirt outside, 
and water comes in. The foundation is cracked. What does this cause in Jonesville? Bad doors. That's what it causes. Go into the office and try to shut the door in, in my office to the bathroom. To the back bathroom or to the bathroom behind Shirley's desk. Either one. One of them will not close and the other one, when you close it and pull it to, it opens right back up. Now you can get underneath there and jack with, the, jack with all the foundation all you want to and you'll get it right. But sooner or later it's going to dry out or it's going to rain and it's going to change yet again. Because it's on bad soil. It's on bad ground. Bad doors. How do we apply this to our life and receive wisdom? Really simply. When the foundation is not founded on the Lord God, everything will be out of order. Everything. This is wisdom 101 from the Lord. And we see it by a messed up door at the pastor's house, the parsonage in the basement. Wisdom. We see the, the, the wisdom of having a life that is grounded upon the rock, which is Jesus Christ. By looking at a busted door. By looking at roses that need to cut back because it's good for us so that we produce more fruit spiritually. By looking at the brown grass that goes dormant and even in that stage the Lord gives the birds and, the, and, the, and all the little insects and all the little things in the wintertime these green weeds that come up and take their place. So even in the winter we have things that hold beauty. In all of these situations and all of these different things, we see and we can find wisdom if we apply our heart. Our basement is very porous. It leaks. Water runs through it. Now, I'm not just coming here to, to put down the house. Don't, don't get me wrong with that. What I'm saying is that we can look at a bad situation and receive good. We can look at something that to the eye looks terrible. Like when it rains and I have a steady stream flowing from one front of the house to the back door to the sump pump. And you go down there and you're like, my goodness, that's a lot of water. But then after everything gets out, it's, it's gone. But in that bad situation, we can look at it and we can receive instruction. We can see that it's very porous. Not only does the door not work that great, but there's cracks in the foundation and cracks in the wall. And what happens? Water comes in. It's not sealed up. It's not buttoned up. It is porous. This is a sign of a house without no gate, without no wall, that is not sealed up. Look at our border. Holes all in the wall down in Texas, right? Yes or no? I'm not getting political. I'm just talking. Our border. What is it there for? To keep us in and to keep others out. Plain and simple. 
We have a nation to keep us in and to keep others out. There's a way in which to get in and get out of. But when you have a wall that is very porous and you have a wall that is broken down, it gets really bad really quick. Walls are good. They give us boundaries. They give us protection. They separate us from other things. And as Christians, boundaries and protections and walls are good for us. I tell my children all the time, if you listen to mom and dad and you let us be over you and you let us lead you and guide you and you obey us, then you'll be in line with us. But the moment you step out from our protection and the moment you disobey us and do something that you were told not to do, daddy can't be there to help you. My cows are no different. No different story there. I mean, we got, I used to have cows and I had a fence. Out there on the main highway in French Fort over there next to Terry and David's house. And people drive on that road 70, 80, 90 miles an hour. I put seven strands of barbed wire up on the road. Because I did not want my cows getting out, breaching the fence and getting run over and killing somebody in the process. What my cows didn't know is because they're animals is that it was good for them to stay within the boundaries and stay within the limits of what their master had given them to stay within. They will be healthier, they will be happier, and they will be far more safer. But as soon as they breach that fence and get over, then everything changes. They're not within my protection. And it's so true, walls are there for a reason. Borders are excellent for the child of God. They keep us secure and even give us freedom in Christ. How does it give us freedom if we got a wall around us? Well, simple. You look at the wall and you see that you have freedom from here to there. It, this, is, this is a limitation, but people don't like to be limited. People don't like to have something around them. They don't want to set up a border or a boundary because then they feel confined. But truth is, if we stay within the parameters where we're supposed to stay, we will be far safer than trying to do it on our own. The parameter is God's Word and the Holy Spirit, and we know that we have to fall in line with that or it becomes very dangerous even for the child of God. Amen or no? In all of these instances and examples, we can find wisdom. Whether the example is good, we can find wisdom in a good example. A nice example, example like marriage, going to church, nice things, beautiful things. But also if we take into consideration bad things. Bad things, like a death. When we stop and consider actually what happens at the moment a person dies, the gravity of the situation, and how heavy it truly is, don't think for a second you won't receive wisdom from it. All we have to do is stop and consider the matter.
Proverbs chapter 24. Turn there with me. Proverbs 24. Absolutely one of my favorite passages. This one and the one I just came out of in Proverbs. Without a doubt, without a question. Uh, Proverbs 24, beginning in about 30. Solomon goes and he's walking and beginning in 30. Proverbs 24, 30 through 34. And what we're going to have here, and, and I'm not going to try to take up much more of your time, but we're going to have two different things that we're going to look at in this passage of Scripture. Well, there's a lot of things to look at, but um, if we apply our heart, there's a lot of things to look at. Proverbs 24, 30 through 34. And this is the text I really want to get to. Uh, Solomon, in all of his time that he had to work, he was a very busy man, but he would take time to go out into the field and out into the, the street and to see and to receive instruction. A time to stroll, a time to think. This is something that has, I think, left our society nowadays. You see on the news and on uh, on YouTube, on Facebook, you see where common sense has flown the coop. It is left. Men are dressing like women. Women are dressing like men. This is the topic of the day. I saw one guy on there the other day that was dressed up like a woman, had a beard with earrings and makeup. And he was trying to buy sanitary napkins for himself. And he told the, the guy working the aisle, why can I not find these in men's colors? That's stupidity. Common sense has flown the coop. People don't think anymore. There's so much to receive if we'll just stop and think. I received a lot of instruction from that dude that we'll not talk about. Verse 30, 24 and 30. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. Solomon and all of his wisdom and prestige would take time to stroll through the countryside just so that he could receive instruction from all different types of circumstances. In one particular instance here, he passes by a vineyard that belonged to a sluggard, to a man completely void of any understanding is what the Word of God says. In the ESV it doesn't say that, but in the King James it says that. This is a man that is not only lacking understanding, but he is completely void altogether of understanding. Doesn't have it. Thereby we will see what comes after that. To kind of set it up. It's completely void of any of it. Verse 30 tells us this man was a sluggard and that he lacked sense. The reason why we know this and the reason why we can pin this on him because the wisest man ever wrote it, first off. It's inspired by God's word, secondly. Inspired by God, secondly. And we see it in the next verse. Third. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken down. 
The reason we know this is true is because Solomon is showing us what this thing looks like. The owner here neglected what he had. To own a vineyard would be to own something that was prize-worthy. To own a vineyard would be to own something that was very valuable and very awesome indeed. Something that a lot of men would covet for, covet after. It would be the best farmland you could get, top quality. And to leave it in an unworked state shows great neglect and great slothfulness. Look at 31. And behold, Solomon stops here and he tells us to look at it as he describes it in fine detail. And behold, he says, turn your attention to this field, this vineyard, and I want to show it to you. It says, it was all overgrown with thorns. This man had left his vineyard alone and allowed it to grow up. Thorns took the place of grapes and covered the face of the vineyard. This is a man lacking understanding and lacking wisdom. He was slothful in everything that he did. He wanted to stay in the bed. He didn't want to get up. He didn't want to apply himself to anything. This picture will show us two different people. And very quickly, we're going to look at those. Two different types of people, those that have the Lord and most importantly, those that don't. Those that have the Lord and those that don't. As Christians, we know that if our salvation is not worked, what happens? Weeds grow up. Listen to the text. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken down. When our heart is neglected and our boundaries and our walls are busted and they're broke down, we cannot expect to have grapes, but rather thorns. Plain and simple. As Christians, when we are not cultivating our heart, when we are not working our salvation, you cannot expect to have grapes, but rather thorns, thistles, nettles. Things will come up and sprout up that you hadn't seen in 30, 40, maybe even 50 years when you're not working your salvation. There was a, there was a lake, Lake Cumberland in Kentucky. 10 or 12 years ago, they began to drain Lake Cumberland because there was a place in the dam where it was messed up and they had a crack that, that they needed to fix. It's a very important to fix the crack in the wall. Because if they didn't, Nashville would no longer exist. So they begin to pull it down and begin to drain it. And as they begin to drain it, it hadn't been drained in 25, 30 years, maybe 35. I'd never seen it down that low. But as they begin to drain it, all across the banks, cuckleburrs begin to sprout. Cuckleburrs. Those seeds hadn't seen the light of day for 25 or 30 years, but as soon as the water came off of it, it began to sprout. And it grew up into a briar thicket, those banks of the lake. 
all around them. And trees began to sprout and nothing was being taken care of. Why were things growing so rapidly? Why were things exploding in growth? Why? Because the ground was good, but it wasn't kept. And that is the heart of a child of God that has no boundaries, that has no walls, and that has no instructions and no limits. Letting everything in, the soul is good, so things are going to go crazy growing, but it's going to be the wrong things. The soul is rich and the soul is good, but unkept it will absolutely go crazy. Why is this so? This is so because it's part of the fall. The fall of man, the curse. We know that when man was expelled from the garden, it was said that he would have to keep the ground and the soil and to till it up and it would produce thorns because of the curse. And that he would have to work that curse for the rest of his days. We can see wisdom from our text by simply seeing that the fall of man and thorns go together. And when the ground is left unattended or kept, then thorns will grow up, saved or lost. Whether you're saved or whether you're lost. Ground unkept equals thorns growing. Plain and simple. If we neglect our salvation, if we are slothful, if we are sluggish in our salvation, if we fold our hands and if we go back to sleep and never work it, we will live defeated because thorns will overtake you. They grow too fast. The soul is too good. You'll live defeated and they'll overtake you. But let's look at the man completely void of understanding that's lost. And this is really bizarre to think about, this lost person without the Lord. This man or this woman has a briar thicket growing on the surface of their heart. Because what's inside has come out. They have a briar thicket growing on the surface of their heart. The seeds of wickedness are deep and long-lasting with no wall to keep out invaders. This is a man outside of God's grace that has conformed to the world. That has decided to let the world teach it how it should live. I want you to pay attention to me. This man may be diligent in his work. Pay attention. He may be diligent in his work at the job site. He may sell houses. He may be in the oil field. And he may be a man that is on a mission working harder than anybody else. But if his soul, if his soul is unattended to, and he is not bothered to look into his soul that he is a sluggard. Outside of God's grace, conformed to the world, he may be diligent in his work or diligent in the office. He may work like a Turk to free the community. 
to do all of these things. To be a better person out, outside in the community. To do all of this stuff. To be productive. May set schedules and timers to be as productive if he, as he could possibly be. But if he doesn't have the Lord, he or she is a man or a woman all grown over with thorns, with nettles, with broken walls, ready to burn at a moment's notice. There are so many that neglect the soul while working to perfection the world. Is that true? It is, isn't it? There's so many that absolutely neglect the soul, but they work to perfection the world around them. They strive for more and bigger and better, trying to keep up with the Joneses. All the while neglecting. Neglecting the ground of their own heart. This type of person is in need of help. And the problem is there's wisdom to be had. If they will just listen, pay attention, and apply it to their own heart. They're in need of help. This type of person needs a plow. They need a plow. They need a hard plow, one that doesn't flinch at the clods. A plow that runs deep. A plow that turns over the bad and turns over the bad and turns it over and turns it over until it's like powder, till it is workable, till it can be rowed, till it can be sowed and planted, irrigated, watered, and grown. This is a heart that needs the Word of God, the law of God. This is the plow that, that needs to be running over the heart. And I bring it today. We need the law of God and the Word of God to show us we are guilty of sin. We're guilty of the thorns and the nettles and the briars and the broken wall. We're guilty of letting everything in that could possibly come in. For the lost person, they need to see, understand, and receive instruction that they are guilty. That they've broken all the laws, all sins, every sin, and stand in need of a Savior. This is the man without Christ Jesus or the woman or the child or the teenager or the old person without Jesus Christ. Their wall is busted. Their wall is tore down and they are overgrown with thorns, thistles, nettles. Things that poke, things that hurt, and things that rob us of everything that we are. This is a person that is lost and in need of a Savior. This is a man or woman on the precipice of hell. I want you to understand what I'm telling you. Briar thickets ain't nothing but to be burnt or turned over by the plow. That's what they're good for. And for varmints to hide in. And for bad to stay in and to ruin. But this is a man or woman on the precipice of hell. They're dangling over the pit of destruction. 
They gain the world and at the same time neglect their soul. They gain it all and neglect their soul and receive an eternal punishment. Where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The scripture teaches us that the worm doesn't die there. The scripture teaches us that it is a lake of fire. A place of darkness. Sorrow. Pain and suffering. Scripture teaches us that is where the wrath of God abides. For all eternity. And here in Proverbs 24, as we look at this 30 through 34, and we apply ourselves to understanding whether saved or lost, we can see that the one that does not tend to his salvation, that has been saved by the Lord God Almighty, their heart will overgrow with thorns and thistles and nettles. Their walls will be broken down, but it needs patchwork. And that is, that is possible. That can be worked and that can happen. But it's like Nelson tells me, you got to work in the garden a little bit every day to keep it clean. And it's true. But then if we look at this text, these five verses, and we, and we look at them and we take them into consideration, we see the lost person who Solomon stops and considers. He considered it well and he received instruction. Listen to what it says. Verse 34, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding, a little folding of what? Of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and what? Like an armed man. Here we have the second person. And Solomon tells us that they're a sluggard, and all they want is to be left alone. They don't want to be told that there is an eternal punishment for wickedness. They don't want to be bothered with the things of God, and they don't want to try, even try to look towards Jesus Christ. Because they think he's fake. Think he's weak. Think he's nothing. They're going to fold their hands. They're going to roll back over. And God's going to call them home. And they're going to stand and they're giving an account for what they did and what they didn't do. Some will enter into glory while others will be thrown into a lake of fire. Because they folded their hands. They rolled back over. And they went to sleep. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let's pray. Father, we come to